Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Feeling good? Awake? Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that last one. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're starting a new sermon series this morning, and I couldn't be more excited. We're starting a sermon series called God-Sized Dreams, and I don't think Jackie could have given us a better intro to this series, Like, so I'm going to actually talk less and jump jump right in, because she just basically introed the, the message today. So, um, so I, I just want to, I want to bring you back to six months ago, right around six months ago. Um, the Mission Redlands turned three last February. All right, okay. Okay, I'll accept that. I'll accept that and move on. Um, who was here for that celebration? Anybody? Awesome. Well, we, like, at the Mission Redlands, I don't know if you know about this, but, like, we know how to party. Like, we had balloons, like, flying everywhere. The kids were tossing balloons up during worship, and I think some people were having a heart attack, but it was just, like, the most joyful thing you could imagine. And we had cupcakes and a photo booth, and we had, like, these 80s slatted glasses that everybody was wearing. And, uh, and that was super fun because, like I said, we know how to party, but in 80s slatted glasses says party, right? So um, it was just a super fun time celebrating what God has done and is doing in our church. During the message time of the celebration, I basically told the whole story of the mission. I think I recapped the entire history of the mission from its birth. So... Uh, and, and that actually that message is still up on our podcast. So if you're ever wondering about the history of the mission, maybe you're new to com- our community and you're thinking like, I wonder what this church is, how they got to this place that they're in now. Go back and listen to that podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes or our website and, it, and it'll give you everything I... It's only six hours long. Is, it, is, that, is that all right? No, I'm sorry. It's like only five. Um, the mission had gone through some really extremely difficult things up to that point, and uh, a lot of people were feeling discouraged at that point. During the three-year anniversary, at the end of the message, I shared a word from the Lord that I felt like the Lord gave me specifically for our community um, for that particular moment in time, and I believe that it still holds true today. Um, and the word for our community the Lord gave me in my heart is this. Mission Church, take your eyes off your feet. Lift up your head and dream again. It's time to dream again. That's what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. And, you know, it was a radical message from the Lord because, as I said, a lot of people... Like dreaming was probably at the bottom of the list of things they wanted to do as a church right then. But against all the odds, we began to dream again as a church. And I asked the congregation to write or draw out their God-sized dreams for the church. This was a way for me to get the pulse of what things we were passionate about as a church. Anybody remember drawing out their God-sized dreams? Yeah, cool. As the result... And really, 
the results were astounding, right? Um, here we are six months later, and some of these dreams are still in process, but others have come true. Um, these dreams, your dreams as a church, ranged from having a regular time devoted to prayer, which we now have, thank you God, which we now have is it, it, is amazing. Like I, I, it's a dream come true. To to getting involved with foster care that was another big one. From helping people in need with clothes and food, and reaching more kids for Jesus, which we've been doing with our mission family events, and and another another piece to people's dream was seeing the church grow in such a way that we would need multiple services and that's an awesome dream but after tallying up all the results of the god-sized dreams a few things became very clear about the heartbeat of this church the third most common dream number three the third most common dream that we have among us as a church was that we would be a place where people could grow in the ways of discipleship and following the Lord's call on their life. That they could grow in discipleship and stretch their wings out in their newly found faith. The second most common dream we received was that people wanted to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus. Just those two dreams alone, I feel like, say a lot about who we are as a church. I feel like it says that we are not satisfied to just play church, but that we are hungry to see the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in people's lives. And that we don't want to stop there. We want to see these people grow in discipleship and live out the unique call God has placed on their own lives. But the number one dream in our faith community is the one that gets me. This is this is the one that like if I think about it too long, I just get all weepy. <laughs> Which is never nice to see. Um, uh, our church's number one dream by a landslide, by a landslide, was to be known in our city by how we love. To be known in our city by how we love. That is beautiful. That is an honorable dream. That is the great commission in action. That is, is uh, radical love. That is amazing. Because I mean, when we did this activity, people could have written anything down. They could have written anything because we, they didn't have to put their names on it. It wasn't like I'm going to be like, oh, Carlos, you said you wanted that Spider-Man action figure. That was your God-sized dream, right? <laughs> like, um, it, 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 like you did, there was no name. So, like, you couldn't tell whose it was. And we even did this activity with the mission kids. And some of them were really good. One girl um, particularly said that she wanted to build a hotel for homeless people. That's awesome, right? For, for a little girl's dream, that's awesome, right? Um, but just to prove my point that, that nothing was off limits with these dreams, my son Dylan, who turned, who's turning 10 soon, right? Uh, he wrote that his God-sized dream was that he found a dollar in his pocket. I really think that was just a ploy for me as like his father to like make his dreams come true. Like, here, son, here's a dollar. You know, like, 
No. But after that, we, my wife and I, Kim, encouraged him to dream a little bigger. And so his second God-sized dream, brace yourself, was that he would invent a time machine so that we could go visit Bible times and learn more about the people in, the, in Bible times and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, now we're talking. Like, that's a good-sized dream. That's a God-sized dream, right? And, and, we, and we laugh because that particular dream sounds kind of silly and crazy. And if Back to the Future taught us anything, it's that you do not want to mess around with time travel because... You might end up having to fight off a teenage version of your mom who has a crush on you, right? (laughs) But dreams are a vital part of life. And particularly God-sized dreams, the dreams that God deposits in our hearts will always have an element of outrageousness to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be like, they wouldn't be God-sized, right? And so, um, we've talked a little bit about our God-sized dreams as a church. But what, but what about our dreams as individuals? We were all created uniquely in the image of God. And like I said in our last sermon series, We Are One, here at the mission we celebrate unity among diversity. And that unity is carried through to even the uniqueness of the dreams God deposits into our hearts. The dreams that He has uniquely gifted you with and the church family to support you along its journey. There is a thing that God wants to do on the earth through you. Hear that. There's a thing that God wants to do on the earth through you. Have you ever thought about how vital you are to the earth? What God could accomplish through your story? You are an important piece of God's plan. And no, no, he, he doesn't absolutely need you because He's like God, right? But in fact, He wants you. He wants to partner with you in this unique dream that He has for your life. And He knows that this dream will be more fulfilling than anything you could imagine. And this is why your life is so important. The dreams that you dream are invaluable. Did you ever stop to think that maybe your dreams are God's dreams too? That the dreams in your heart could be the very birthplace of the movement that God wants to release on the earth? It's crazy to think about, but it's true. Today, we're going to take a look at a man who had a dream. And it was a dream that maybe even some of you in this room have. And this dream was was a piece of God's bigger dream. This man's name was Abraham. And his dream was that he wanted to have a son. Now, we're going to be covering a lot of ground in the book of Genesis. So hold on to your hats, right? Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to move through this very quickly and I I want to break down Abraham's life a little bit for you. But I also want to acknowledge that some of what you hear in this sermon series comes uh, directly from a book called Eat, Pray, Hustle by Havilah Cunnington. And we always want to give credit where credit is due. 
And, and, and so that, that book's phenomenal, and we really use that for, for this sermon series. But, um, so let's talk Abraham. Let's talk Abraham. The book of Genesis says that the Lord first called upon Abraham when he was 75 years old. That was the first time. That was back before God changed his name. In the beginning of the account of Abraham, his name was actually Abram. So Abraham, Abram. Remember that. Um, It's not two separate people, it's the same person. Um, Which in Hebrews, which in Hebrew, um, Abram means high father. The Bible tells us that Abram (laughs) was married to a beautiful woman named Sarai. Abram and Sarai had no children of their own, which in those days would have caused them shame. And here Abram is with this name that means father, and he has no children at the age of 75. What kind of cruel joke is that, God? Like, what's up with that? Uh, Abram dreamed of having a son to carry on his lineage, but... uh, his age, at his age, it just didn't seem like it was in the cards. And until one day the Lord calls out to Abram. The Lord then begins to let Abram in on this thing that he wants to do on the earth. And he wants to do it through Abram. Genesis 12 is the first of many times God speaks to Abram. And he says in Genesis 12, 1-3, through 3, Go from your country your people, and your father's house. To the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham packs up everything he had. With Sarai and his, and his nephew Lot by his side, they took off for the land of Canaan. When they got there, the Lord appeared to Abram for the first time, which had to be incredible, right? And it says in verse 7, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built uh, an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From, from this place, Abram went south and pitched his tent, right? He went, he, uh, and when he was done, he built another altar and worshipped the Lord some more. I mean, can you imagine being Abram in this moment? Like, God appeared to him and tells him, to your offspring, I'm going to give this land, right? And, and when, when Abram uh, heard the words of God, I just imagine him like doing this like double take, like, like uh, uh, what? Uh... Uh, God, uh, I know you say you're going to give me this land and all, and that's cool, but, um, but did you say uh, offspring? That means kids, right? Like, <laughs> like kids, right? Uh, uh, that's what offspring means, not the band. Um, Abram was overjoyed at this news, and not only did he build an altar to the Lord where the Lord appeared to Abram, but when he finally got where he was going he, and set up camp, he did it again. He just wasn't finished worshiping the Lord because of this promise that was spoken over his life. Having kids would have been a dream come true for Abram and Sarai. So, so what happens next? Was, was Sarai immediately pregnant? No. Where's the fun in that, right? 
um, time rolls on, as it always does, and several events take place in Abram's life. Because of a great famine, Abram is forced to flee into Egypt, where a lot of weird stuff goes down, right? And we don't have time to get into it today, but it definitely became a situation where the Lord had to uh, course correct Abram, to say the least. And and uh, anything that uh, another thing that happened during this span of time uh, is that Lot, Abram's nephew, parts ways with he and Sarai. And goes out on his own. Lot, Lot leaves them and goes out to live near Sodom. Which leads to nothing but trouble for Lot. And, but right after Lot leaves, the word of the Lord comes to Abram again. And, and in Genesis 13, 14-18 we read, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west, all the land you see... I will give to you and your offspring. There's that word again. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. If you're paying attention, you'll notice that the Lord just took his promise to Abram up like a gajillion notches, right? Like um, he said, I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth. That's a big family, right? Like you're going to need Dick to build you a really big family table if, if you know if you're going to have family like the dust of the earth. But Abram must have been jumping for joy. In fact, he also was so filled with joy that he builds another altar and worships the Lord. And, and in the meantime, things aren't going so well for Lot. Surprise, surprise. Who was found living within the city of Sodom. War breaks out and Lot is taken, right? He's taken prisoner along with a ton of other people, food and treasures from Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abram and his boys, they, they, they regulate, right? They, they, they get ready, they load up, they go to work and uh, they attack the, the people who've, ta- who've taken Lot at nightfall and they, and they bring Lot back along with all the goods and people that had been taken and Abram returned all the goods to the king of Sodom and the king offered to reward Abram but Abram declined because he had sworn an oath to the Lord that he would he would accept nothing belonging to the king because of the sinful nature of the city after this test the Lord comes to Abram again in a vision in Genesis 15 1-6 through he says, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son 
who is your, your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he accredited it to him as righteousness. Again, the Lord promises, and Abram receives it. But Abram is uh, beginning to grow impatient. And when Abram first started his journey, he was 75 years old. And we don't even know at this point how many years have passed, but it's safe to say that Abram and Sarai aren't getting any younger, right? And and (laughs) this is the third time that the Lord has affirmed the promise over their lives, and yet they still have no children. And Abram isn't the only one growing impatient, right? Sarai gets... she, she gets so tired of waiting that she decides to take matters into her own hands. She gives her servant Hagar to Abram to try and conceive a child with. And, and Abram, like a doof, goes along with it, right? And, and Which just goes to show how desperate they were to have a child. Because any husband worth his salt could see that that ain't going to end well, right? Like... <laughs> But Abram goes along with it, and eventually Hagar becomes pregnant. But here's the thing. Taking matters into their own hands didn't bring them joy. It only causes more strife. As the baby begins to grow in Hagar's belly, Sarai becomes wildly jealous and and begins to mistreat her, and, and so much so that Hagar runs away. The Lord meets her in her distress and tells her, Don't worry, I will take care of you and your child. Go back to Abram and Sarai, and I will take care of everything. So she does what the Lord said, and Hagar bore Abram a son named Ishmael. The Bible says that at at the point of Ishmael's birth, Abram was 86 years old. But this was not the dream come true that God had in mind. Eleven years had passed since the initial promise of the Lord on Abram's life. Eleven years. Think about how long that is. But it didn't end there. Thirteen more years go by. Thirteen. That's a total of twenty-four years since the initial promise from God. And Abram is now 99 years old. And for no apparent rhyme or reason to us, God appears to Abram again. This is in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between you, between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham, Abram fell face down, and God said to him, "As for me, this is my covenant with you: you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram; your name will be Abraham." For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. 
I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. And skipping down to verse 15, God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? But guess what? It happened. It happened just like that. Just like the way God said it would. Sarah became pregnant at the age of... Of 90. Like, I'm thinking about Kim's grandma right now who's 93 being pregnant. Like, <laughs> wow. Some things you just can't unthink. Like, that's, that's weird. Um, Sarah became pregnant at the age of 90, and when he was 100 years old, Abraham became the father of Isaac. The heir the Lord had promised Abraham 25 years ago. And and true to his word, God not only gave Abraham a son, but he made him the father of many nations. Because believe it or not, the Bible says Abraham lived till he was 175 years old. Abraham lived 100 more years after the initial promise that God made over his life. Who could have saw that coming, right? Like, the answer is, God did. God saw it coming. Abraham ended up having plenty of more years to have children. And and as a wise theologian once said, Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. (laughs) Right? And, okay. That's a kid's song if you don't know. (laughs) Awesome. So you're probably sitting there thinking like, okay, Jason, that is a really nice story. It's all well and good. You wrapped it up with a little bow and it's all fancy. But, uh, so what? How does this apply to me? Well, I, I, I believe that there are very, four very distinct things that we can take away from this account with Abraham and apply it to our own dream chasing with God. And I've broken them down into four words, which is a very pastory thing to do, so I must be getting a little better at this. Um, <laughs> the, the first word is foundational. I spoke already about this one in the beginning. I just didn't give it a name. Just like Abraham, God 
has a unique plan and purpose for your life? What does God want to accomplish through your story? Everything God has done and everything He will do comes directly from the life of a man or a woman. He will use a life just like yours to display His reality to our world. In fact, that's how He designed His whole kingdom. Each of us have a, has a vital role, none more important than the other, but each working together. God has a unique plan and purpose for your life, just as Jesus did when He walked the earth. The dreams we dream with God will inspire us to live out our purpose. Without a dream, you won't live purposefully. The Bible is very clear that without purpose, you will perish. These are the foundational elements of dream chasing with God. The next is missional. There are a couple of missional elements uh, to dream chasing with God. God is always going in one direction. He is rescuing the world with His love. And He's inviting us in on the movement. Amen? Don't be that surprised when your dream directly connects with showing the world the love of God in a practical way. It's what He's been doing since the very beginning. Because our dream is a part of His dream. Our mission is a part of His grand mission. And we will live missional lives. Simply, when we live as dream chasers, it changes the way we do life. Everything we do from here out points in one direction. We are people on a mission to fulfill the Great Commission. But also dreams begin lifelong journeys with God. They will take us places we've never imagined and to people we've never considered. Abram had to do this very thing. He had to leave his homeland. He was required to wait for the promise of the dream. It didn't just come to him in one day. He had to go on a journey with God. Much of the voyage required sacrifice and trust. Many people want to dream with God, but they don't want to sacrifice for the dream. It's impossible to have anything worth having unless you have worked, believed, prayed, hoped, and truly sacrificed to possess it. God is always going in one direction. He has one mission, yet He doesn't mind using many ways to get there. He's big enough to use the smallest things as conduits for the greater good. The third part of dream chasing with God is encapsulated by the word inspirational. If God initiates the dream, it will always be more than we can imagine. Abram learned to respect the difference, and this is key. Abram learned to respect the difference between his ability and God's capacity. His ability and God's capacity. He dared to trust God to do what only God could do. This is where the magic happened, otherwise known as faith. Think about Abram sitting under that starry sky 
watching all those stars twinkle at him, being promised a dream as far as the eye could see. I can imagine him laying down on his back in the cool of the grass, looking up at the sky with tears streaming down his face. He had waited so long, his heart ached for himself and his wife to even have just one child, and now he's promised a sky full. It's almost more than he could bear. When God shows us a dream, it's meant to inspire faith in us. Getting us to reach higher, run faster, last longer, and dream bigger than we have ever dreamt before. When we choose to live a life of a dream chaser and honor the vision God has placed in our hearts, we will have to be experts on God's capacity. We will have to know without a doubt what He's capable of and stand on that firm foundation. The fourth and last word is motivational. The dreams that God deposits in our heart most often are dreams that excite us that we will wake up in the morning for them, not because you need to pay the bills or climb the corporate ladder. You do it because it's in your heart. And that's the best kind of motivation. Even though the dream lives in you, you must remember God is the one who placed it there. He is more invested in the dream than you are. He will see it through. God will always do His part. God, God's investment leads us to understand He has a part to play in the dream. He loves to participate because He loves the relationship it brings. He loves to talk to us about it. He doesn't tire of our heart or the things that we hope are to come. Instead, He longs to have the relational connection. God wants to sit and dream with us. He wants to show us starry nights and watch us gasp in disbelief. He loves the lifelong journey, the mountains, the valleys, the white knuckle rides, and the tear-stained faces. He's in, he's in it for the journey, and He's in it for the dream. I would suggest that God loved the journey Abram was on with Him. God could have had Sarai pregnant the next day, but instead he lived in relationship with Abram. He was teaching him more than a promise fulfilled. God was showing Abram what it takes to make a father. Abram doesn't give up. He deals with his issues. He trusts God. These are some of the key elements and dream chasing with God. I want to close our time today um, by reading a scripture as the worship team comes. Um, I feel like this scripture summarizes everything we've been talking about. And I really love that the way that the message translation um, puts it. So I'm going to read it from there. Uh, it's Romans 4, beginning at 17 in the message translation. You can read along on the screen. But this is key. This summarizes everything we've been talking about. And it applies to you and me. It speaks 
of Abraham, but it also speaks of us. We call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word make something from nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he could do, but what God said he would do. And so he was made a father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence. He sit and say, it's hopeless. This hundred year old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah, Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise. Asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it's, it is said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life. When the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrificed Jesus made us fit for God. Set us right with God. Now, here's the thing. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you have been made fit for God. And God wants to dream with you. Yes. A dream that will help you live out your purpose and get you in on God's bigger dream. Maybe you have a dream that you just can't seem to shake. Maybe you don't fully understand why you have this desire or how God could use it. I would encourage you guys, take these desires of your heart, take these dreams that you don't fully understand and just place it before the Lord. Just place it before the Lord and say, Lord, is this from you? Is this from you? And He'll tell you. Place it before the Lord and, 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 and say... Is this dream from you, God? And if so, how do we begin this dream-chasing journey today? Chances are that conversation is going to open the door to a wild, lifelong journey with the Lord. A journey that will lead to both your dreams coming true. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for what You're doing in our very midst, Lord. Father, we thank You Lord, we thank You for these desires in our heart, Lord, these dreams that You have deposited into our hearts, God. 
Increase our faith, Lord. Let us not focus on what we can do, Lord, but let us focus on what you said you will do. Lord, let us be encouraging to each other as a church family should be, Lord. When we place these dreams that we don't fully understand that we have in our hearts, Lord, these desires, we don't understand how you could use them, Lord. Let us encourage and come alongside, God. Father, thank you for wanting to be in a relationship with us, God. Thank you for wanting to dream with us. Lord, we just love you. We just love you. We just adore you. Open our minds and hearts up to the possibilities of you, God. Let us not focus on the impossibilities of ourselves, God. Lord, let us take these dreams you've given us and run with it. Jesus' precious name, as the ushers come forward, Lord, we bring to you what is already yours say it time and time again, Lord, but you have gifted us with everything that we have, Lord. And you just ask to, for us to bring before you what is already yours. So we do that now, Lord. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have a little, Lord. We want to see this offering used to increase your kingdom, Lord. We want to see it go to kingdom work, Lord. Bless our places of business, God, that we may be able to live a life of generosity. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.